Hi all, welcome back to Down to Brown. As you know, every week through a different guest topic, we talk about the same thing, which is how to answer the question, because we try to, of how we free ourselves from the pressures of South Asian stigmas and American assimilation so that we can all live our best, most authentic lives. It sounds really easy when you boil it down to a sentence, but um, holy shit is it hard. Today, we talk to a specific guest, and it's more focused on the person than a broader topic. But what we actually talk about is this concept of the South Asian you should, quote, quote, be. What does that sound like? You should be acting blank. You should be looking blank. You should be wearing blank. You should be saying blank. You should be doing blank. You should be studying blank. You should be marrying blank. You should be worshiping blank. Name anything you can in these blanks and any freaking verb, basically. And there is a should that precedes it. And this is not only from the South Asian community. Of course, you deal with any intersectionality there. You have another textbook of shoulds. Then you add the fact that you're trying to internalize all the shoulds of American society too. third textbook. So you essentially have a Lord of the Rings trilogy of things that you should be doing. And it's anything but helpful if you're trying to individuate and create your own sense of self and what you want, especially if it deviates from what's mainstreamly accepted. I'm getting worked up just thinking about it, but hopefully this resonates with you all. And I'm in good company today talking to Instagram influencer Cassandra Jerome, or she goes by Cass Jerome on Instagram. And I would highly suggest you look her up. I didn't talk to her just because influencers are very glamorous and I think they have such a cool life, but I, I talked to her specifically because she has a platform and she's using it really uniquely. When I look at most South Asian influencers, I don't see a lot of unconventional stuff. And, you know, again, I'm not saying there's none, but sometimes I notice that the trend seems to be glow ups or makeup tutorials and wearing langas. And I love that in terms of owning our brownness. These are the things that we were afraid to do growing up. But there's also this piece of there were things that we just did not even think about doing because they seemed way too out there. It was hard enough to get our parents on board with Hollister, let alone Hot Topic. Let's put it that way. And Cass's page, you'll see, is her dressing up in Disney attire, putting paint on her body in different, quote, unconventional colors, doing a black lipstick on just her upper lip, punk music videos. It is different. And I actually adored it because I have never seen a brown woman put this out there. The one person that I know is close to this is Swasti Shukla Buick, who is a BuzzFeed blogger um, and also herself. She has a great online presence. Um, and this is something that's important. It's important because there's no one South Asian we should be. And I really wanted to talk to Cass as not only someone who could speak to the topic, but someone who is in a position where her life is a lot about challenging the South Asian you should be. And she's heavily shaped by her childhood where she grew up in Africa, South Asia, Europe, North America. She's basically done a global tour and collected all these experiences. And it's really shaped the way that she thinks about her identity and brownness. 
We also talk about her being an influencer. What is that job like? What does that economy look like? What are some of the misunderstandings? And what are some, what is some racism that exists? Because, spoiler alert, racism does exist in the influencer community as well. And she goes into that quite in detail about what she's experienced with that. I know it seems really cool when we look at people with so many followers. And in Cass's case, she has 110,000 followers, but she also deals with a lot of opinions get, that get thrown at her, telling her how she should be like from both the South Asian community and the American Caucasian community. It's actually really interesting how much people can have opinions on you. But my biggest takeaway is that no matter what, people are going to have an opinion. People are always gonna talk about you. People might always judge you, but it's up to us to really own who we are, hang out and talk to the people that help propel that. And in that way, we can live fearlessly in order to be our most authentic selves. If your most authentic self is to do something that's unconventional, like dress more masculine than you have been taught to, or dress more edgily or colorfully or muted, whatever that is, do it because life is short and we should be the person that we think we should be. Wow, bro, I sound like a Dove commercial. However, I mean every word of that sincerely. And without further ado, let's meet Cass Jerome, our guest who I'm so excited to have. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for our obviously interesting conversation that we're gonna have. Obviously. Every time I talk to someone who's like a guest on this show, I fall a little bit in love with them. Sorry to my fiance. Um, And I remember when I talked to you, I was like, holy shit, there's so much wisdom here. And you have just such an interesting perspective, and um, I'm so excited to talk to you. So thank you for being open to it. Oh my gosh, of course. After all this flattery, who would not? (laughs) That's my strategy. (laughs) One of the things that really stood out to me was you have a super unique background. So if you can help us, like I was fascinated by just your childhood and how that set you up for who you are today. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, of course. I love how we're getting this getting this finished right off the bat. It's a it's a long long story. Um, but I have been on quite a journey. So I was born in India. Both of my parents are Indian, so I am completely Indian, born in India. For now India. I'm an Indian citizen. Um, I was born in Tamil Nadu, so that is like the southern part of India, for those of you who don't know, Um, and I was born in a little town called Madurai. Um, Still go back all the time. My grandma still lives there. It's one of my favorite places ever, Um, and I stayed there for like a whopping three months. Um, They did not let me develop very, very much in India. Um, my parents decided that my dad wanted to continue his studies. And so we moved to England when I was around three months old and we stayed there for just the duration of my dad's studies, um, which was cool. It was, it was great. I had a British accent for honestly, most of my life until I moved to America, which is like something <laughs> that a lot of my friends I'm think so jealous. is really, really funny. Can you um, still do it? You know, it's so funny. Like, it, like, will come out when I say, like, random words. I feel like now when people ask me to do it, I feel so, like, put on the spot. Like, I sound yeah, so bad. 
and <gasps> people don't believe me, which is insane. Um, but that was a really cool part of my life. Um, I don't have like a ton of memories there, but I have gone back a couple times. So it's still a very, very close place to my heart. Um, after that, where did I go? I think after that, we moved back to India. But at this point, we moved to the northern part of India. So I lived in Delhi um, for a while. I learned how to speak Hindi for a bit, which was cool. Um, don't remember don't remember a single word, honestly, these days. Um, and then after that, I moved to Sri Lanka, which, if you guys don't know, it's a small island off the coast of India. It's not too far. Um, but I lived there for a good long time, too. I have really good memories there. And then after that was one of the biggest transitions that I went through as a child. Um, but my parents decided that we were going to uproot our life because of my dad's job. Um, we were going to move to Africa. So for like around like six or seven years, which is most of my like, I mean, like most of my childhood, um, I lived in Ghana, which is in the western part of Africa, and Malawi, which is a small country in the southern part of Africa, kind of near South Africa. Um, so that was kind of my life for a while. And then after that, my mom decided to pursue further studies. And so her and I moved to Indiana. And after a traumatic couple of years of living in the Midwest, I moved to California with both of my parents. And so I lived in San Diego, went to high school in San Diego, and now I live on my own in Los Angeles. Oh my gosh, girl, like you lived what a lifetime of people do. You did. <laughs> I I, feel like, like... And then you said high school was Los Angeles. And I was like, what? <laughs> or San Diego, sorry. Yeah, it's, I feel like I've lived like 10,000 lives. I'm always tired honestly <laughs> you're catching up on those 18 years of traveling it feels like it yeah I mean I cannot imagine that's what I am also so interested in understanding is how that journey in your childhood and that's why I asked is you know I feel like that must inform so much of who you are today and like the perspective that you pull from but you know I do want to ground the conversation too on the work that you do so you are an influencer on Instagram um, and are doing a lot of great work with your platform um, in addition to modeling and everything else that you're involved in. And so would love to like ask, like, when did you start? Like, when does someone become an influencer? I like to believe that I was born an influencer. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm totally kidding. Um, I always kind of had the affinity for wanting to be like famous like some of my earliest memories was me wanting to be an actor or a singer. And at that point, like no one knew what an influencer was. Like even when I started Instagram, which is where I started my platform, like influencers weren't a real thing. I was definitely the first wave of like younger people who transitioned into being an influencer. Um, but my career kind of started when I was in high school I was going through like an, a very, very aggressive emo phase, which I mean, I'm still kind of, <laughs> I'm still kind of in it right now. And, but I would just post photos on, on Instagram a lot and a lot of them made it to Tumblr. So I think a lot of people have seen <laughs> photos of me on Tumblr, 
but I was one of those girls for, for a while, like just cute aesthetic pictures, very mm-hmm. grunge, very cringe these days. <laughs> um, but then somehow slowly people started to like actually care about what I had to say. And I um, just kind of developed my fashion style and my makeup skills also kind of developed over these past six years. And I've somehow managed to make it a job. Still shocked yeah. how, but it's, here we are. Totally. And I, I feel like um, there's this perception sometimes with influencers, right? Like of there can be a negative perception, I think. And what really stood out to me is about what you mentioned. Like you really owned the fact. I don't know if you consciously knew this early on or like you realized later in life, but the piece you said about, you know, I, I knew I wanted to be famous. And the reason I bring that up is because it's so easy for a, um, our society to kind of it's such a taboo to like think, you know, want to be famous or have that influence. Right. So when I say fame, I don't mean like Bel Air mansion, like, you know, in all the paparazzi photos, but that type of like, okay, I could have a presence where people maybe know of me and I have this, um, platform, um, to be able to talk about what I care about. Um, and maybe that I'm a voice that's worth listening to. That's kind of how I see that desire. But I think sometimes we can be like, you want to be famous? Ew, how shallow. And like, uh, it's, it's what you do with the fame, to be honest. That's like shallow or not. Um, but I love that you actually owned that early on. Um, and it just begins to me like a series of things when I talk to you, like I took away that like you were so clear about what you want. But, you know, in a way that like our society, especially in South Asian society, we tend to kind of say like, oh, that's you shouldn't say that out loud. Right. Um, totally. So I appreciate you saying that because I love that confidence in there, too, and manifesting what you wanted to do. Um, and you're one of the earlier Indian influencers out there, I feel like. I was one of three of the first ones. I wasn't the first one, but me and a few of my friends were definitely the first in our community to get, I think, over maybe like 20,000 followers at a certain time. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely one of my biggest flexes for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How has the scene evolved then since you first started? Because now, I mean, there's more and more, I feel like. It is honestly like so exciting because as of recently, I feel like, especially with like the growing popularity of TikTok, I see like so many like creative, amazing brown content creators. And it's just like, it's so incredible because I remember like when I was like a teenager, I just did not like, there were just not a lot of Indian people that had platforms. And it was so like, it came with its own set of problems where like, it was, it was cool to like definitely be like a bigger voice in the beginning, but like, it just feels so much better to have it be spread out. Like just with so many people who are talking about issues or just like representing our culture in different ways, the conversations have at least gotten a little bit more diverse. And I think like more people who aren't Indian are slowly kind of like learning a little bit more and their like preconceived notions are at least being changed a little bit more about like music or dance or food. But I mean, as I don't have to tell you, things are still kind of like insane when it comes to like these communities. But I think over time, like we're going to build a very stable and flourishing community online. So that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, definitely. I 
had that thought like just a couple of months ago, like how almost like jealous as in a way of like I was I'll just say it. I was jealous of the fact that the younger generation does get to see so much representation of ourselves, even if not on TV, which is slowly improving. But I think, um, yeah, like at the like slowest pace, but um, the at least TikTok, Instagram influencer scene, I benefit so much. Like at times it can be overwhelming to be like my whole feed is different ways of expressing what we've either grown up with, who we're becoming, what we're unpacking. And it's so beautiful because I feel like it's so normal and I feel like echoed and I'm like with people that even though you don't know them, you don't feel alone and how reinforcing that can be for some of the things we experience because for so long it was like sort of compartmentalized, right? So um, totally. do appreciate. And there are so many different types of influencers, which is awesome because we are not one it's not a monolith, right? Like the Indian diaspora yeah. or the South Asian diaspora. And I want to see every type of person, which is why I also really love your content is that it's different. And I feel like there are probably a lot of other Daisy girls out there who are into that, you know, like what you, I, I don't know how to fully describe your aesthetic, but I remember you said like Disney <laughs> flair of goth, like I love that. So I find it empowering and so fabulous to see you do it and uh, define a form of femininity that usually mainstream limits to like lingos and stuff like that. Absolutely, no, for sure. It's like, and we've definitely talked about this before. I remember we had a long conversation about this a couple weeks ago, but it's like, it's definitely like a double-edged sword. I think like the brown community in general, just people have like a hard time kind of accepting that like, people have interests outside of like their culture and it's like it definitely comes from I think just like in my opinion just parenting I think it's like a lot of people are trying to say like this is how you're brown like this Mm -hmm. is what brown people are like this is what being brown is to me and like it's just difficult for some people to challenge their idea of like what another person can have interests in and like it's definitely not like the biggest problem in the world but definitely something to like acknowledge within our like within our own community understanding that like people do have different interests and like can be like a lot more different from the people that you've grown up with in your hometown or have like lived in different places and like have experienced the world a little bit differently so I'm at least glad to give that sort of perspective along with I'm sure a few other creators yeah absolutely I so appreciate you sharing that because I think that's where this kind of focus of our conversation stems from is like the type of I'm saying Indian because you and I are Indian, but, you know, I'm speaking to the South Asian community of like, what's the type of South Asian or Indian that you should be, quote, quote, is something that I'm hearing more and more. You're, you and I are not the only ones. Right. Like if you deviate in any way from that sort of expectation. And this is still our generation of like millennials where you get comments or feedback of like, oh, but you should be doing this. Like this is what femininity looks like, for example, or um, growing up too. like, you know, even my family and like relatives, like if I did, I was reading like a Michelle Obama book in high school or college and they were like, oh, you just want to be a black person. You care so much about civil rights. I'm like, (laughs) well, even if I wanted to, like, is that like, you know, I just care. Um, And then, or like, similarly, if I get too much into like the home goods deck where I see, they're like, you just want to be a white person. I'm like, wait, like, what can I, like, how can I win? Um, 
when you want it. Totally. Like, I love being brown. It's just that you grew up in a place that you are aware of more things around you. So I don't know. It can be really tricky. <laughs> no, absolutely. Like, thankfully, like my parents are are pretty far from that. But I mean, it's definitely like a recent thing. I think I've changed like their idea a lot of like <laughs> what is acceptable to like as like like an Indian person. It's like super funny. Like a lot of the times, like before I wore makeup, like my mom would tell me that makeup wasn't for brown people. Like mm-hmm. it was for white people because like she and like she was not telling lies. Like at that point, it was for white people. Like they did not make foundation in my shade when I was in middle school. Like yeah, we just and looked this was chalky. like we looked not great. Yes. It was not a cute look. And, like, no amount of trips to, like, the MAC counter at Macy's was giving me the right, like, shades. <laughs> and so she she wasn't wrong, but it was just, it's so interesting. Like, now I wear, like, wigs all the time. And, like, initially she was like, oh, like, blonde hair is for white people. Like, we wouldn't look good in that. Mm-hmm. And now, like, I'll wear, like, an orange wig. And she's like, that looks really good. <laughs> <laughs> like, damn right, Mom. Um <laughs> I actually remember seeing Beyonce wear her wigs, right? Like she had blonde for a while. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that looks so beautiful on her. And I have a similar skin tone to hers. Um, Maybe that's, you know, possible, dare I, right, type of thing. And I completely Mm -hmm. agree, especially makeup and then colors. Like I had such an aversion to colors for a long time because people would tell me like on my skin tone, dark colors didn't look good. Um, and even like my relatives would kind of cringe if I wore like dark red or something. So I started right. got used to like, it's like a very, um, someone even said it looks really slutty, like um, kind of prostitute basically. Like uh, I had someone <laughs> tell me that like when I was going to school in India. And like, so colors to me, I avoided a lot, like red lips, red um, nail paint. I felt very whorish wearing those colors and I feel terrible about right. it now because now I'm like owning it and I'm like that millennial trying to be like euphoria about it with like purple eyeshadow <laughs> and stuff and my sister's like calm down but um it does like I feel like you reject these things no like just I don't know it's come to the point where like I hear things like that and like I've heard things like that myself in India from my relatives and like going to India with my parents and like my family at this point like they know that I'm not traditional and so I think they just kind of don't even like try anymore because I've just always kind of been the type of person to just say no if Mm. I was like that's stupid and so I'm like, I'm like the cousin that people just don't, yeah. <laughs> don't question anymore. Um, so I don't know, like even growing up, like I would hear things like that from like my relatives and I just feel like you guys are full of shit. Like, like this is like the most right. insane thing I've heard. What are some but, of the like, stories that continue you being miserable growing up? Like, especially like, I'm curious, like, especially when you moved, like, did those stories also mm-hmm. change of like, this is who you should look like or be? Yeah, one of the big ones, and, like, this was a a big story that I used to talk about, like, early on when I started my Instagram, um, is, like, about my own mom, who I love so much. My mom is amazing, probably, like, one of the most open-minded, like, Indian women I've ever met. Like, she has broken, and I think, honestly, the reason I am the way I am is because of my mom, um, because she's just kind of smashed every single stereotype that like Indian women 
have to battle. So very proud to be her daughter. Yeah, she's a queen. Um, But when I was younger, she was very concerned about me getting tan. My grandma is really, really light skinned. Um, Like basically the woman looks Caucasian. It's, it's kind of insane. I don't know. It's like a genetic, (laughs) like I have no idea how it happened to her, but she's beautiful. Like she's always been gorgeous. All of my aunts are so gorgeous. My mom is and was like probably one of the most beautiful people in her town. Um, she's constantly telling me stories about like men who were like risking their lives for her. Um, but she was always so concerned about me getting darker. Like when I would go to the beach or like go to the pool and it was always this, just like, she was never extremely mean about it, but I was always just like, why does this matter so much? I just could not understand because especially when we lived in Africa, I was like, why? Like everyone here is like black like I was like this doesn't matter to me at all like it literally I don't I don't get it and like growing up like I only I realized very late in life that it it was colorism and after finding that out I remember sitting down and, and having a conversation with her and my mom about or her and my dad about it and I just was like I I don't care like this is so insane and at this point like I don't think they fully understood like the gravity of their words and like after we had that conversation she might have like made that comment two more times but now she doesn't ever talk about it because I think she's kind of like Mm -hmm. realized where I stand on it and like I don't know the world has progressed and definitely yeah so it's it's good to see like I always encourage my Desi friends who struggle with stuff like that to like just kind of like keep talking about it with their parents Yeah, I think that is such a powerful example and one that a lot of us can relate to. And especially your piece of like what this is, is colorism. And when we start to like, I I don't think I knew the term about it, but growing up, I think I also believed colorism was correct, if that makes sense. Like I I thought that is the way things should be where you're supposed to be fair, Um, which is interesting because like you typically like, I don't know if you start off hating your skin tone, if you are internalizing those colorist concepts, Mm -hmm. like growing up, I loved looking at my thighs weirdly because I have a birthmark that's super significant. So I'd look at it and be like, oh, should I like, I wish I didn't have it. And my mom's like, no, like she'd be like, no, this is so beautiful. This is a part of you. And so slowly I started to fall in love, like with the warmth and color of like my brown thighs I'd be like oh they're so powerful they help me run blah 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 but then growing up you hear something different and slowly you start to sort of sit aside your love for yourself and replace with maybe this is actually how it's supposed to be and the thing that I remember was like um, my experience kind of what you made me think of was like I remember I was um, in middle uh, or sorry high school like 15 16 getting ready with my friend's family uh for an event they were hosting um and it was like an indian gathering and um this girl who was about like six maybe came up to me and was like everyone else was rather fair and she looked at me and she's like hey like why are you so dark like mom why is she so dark and my friend feels so bad about this because she's like oh my gosh like i hate you know that this happened to you at my house and i was like dude it's not your fault at all um it's not the girl's fault either because it means that she's probably hearing those messages that totally right so to think that we're like educating quote quote 
ourselves this early about this like internalized hate it is so unhealthy no it totally is and even like growing up in india like as like a south indian person living in north india for like a little bit of my childhood it's just very interesting like seeing the types of like also commercials that are on tv even currently to this day like the commercials that we see are just like always promoting people with fair skin there is barely any like like i could probably count on one hand the amount of dark-skinned like brown women i see on just like indian television like if i watch it for like eight hours yeah it's ridiculous totally i have such a like i know this is not going to be a popular opinion so please bear (laughs) with me people but I'm not a huge fan of Bollywood. I was growing up, but I think the more I started to process what it represented and taught me, I got really upset with like, how did I do this to myself? Because one of the things you notice too, and this is an obvious one, but like basically the famous actresses, the biggest ones are very fair, mostly, you know, either mixed um, with a Caucasian ethnicity or they are very white looking um and the ones that are darker you know there are some really great actresses that came out like that too but um they were always like in the critically acclaimed films they were in like the ones about hardship and stuff like that but they never made it to like mainstream fame um even Bipasha Basu was like the sexual one and we sort of exotified our own right you'd think white people would do that but we actually did that to our own Completely. And I, I'm like 100% with you on that opinion. Like I have never supported or liked Bollywood ever in my life. And the way that I look at it, and from a very young age, I made the connection because for me, like seeing myself in TV shows and movies, that's the way I kind of consume content. If I watch a movie and I see my, I will always be like, I'm this character. Or like I always associate myself with someone in a movie, even if it's like a minor character. And like with Indian movies, like a lot of the times, like I just can't do that. Like whether it be like physically or mentally, like the way they portray women is just not, it's just not okay in like any regard. And a lot of the times, like when my parents are watching movies, I can't do it because I'm just like, this is, yeah. this is stupid. Like they're making the girl stupid. She doesn't even look Indian. This is insane. And I just feel like this is an industry that has never supported me in any, in any facet. And that's why, like, I'm so thankful that I found some sort of fame by myself to like, honestly, just kind of justify to myself that I don't need to be a part of that community or that part of just like entertainment to like gain some sort of like acclaim because I look a certain way. But I completely agree with you. And how much more painful would that have been for you, right? Like to, for, and I relate in the sense, like, I feel like our skin color and, you know, right, et cetera, is similar, like how long it would take in our journey for self-love, forget fame or anything else, if we held ourselves to that standard. Um, And it's just like a waste of your life to like not be able to appreciate who you are. Totally. And not like taking away from any of like the beautiful actresses. It's not that like yeah. one is one is greater than the other and by any totally means. Agree. But it's just like it's just absurd. It's not like a like an accurate representation of what our people look like. Especially like in Tamil movies, like 
it's just like a little bit bizarre. It's like, have you guys even been to Tamil Nadu? Like, have you even seen the people that like live there? I actually want to go back to what you mentioned with like you living in Ghana. How was your relationship with your beauty and just, um, and I don't mean beauty in just the vain way. Like, of course we all love to feel beautiful, but also just (laughs) beautiful as in like self-esteem and like, you know, how that also connects your sense of self. Like how did, what was that relationship like in Ghana when you lived there? So my journey with self-esteem, it's like in my head, it's like, such like I look back at it and I can't even believe the progress that I've made to this point and like there are days where like I try to think about it like as like a whole journey and it's just like it's so overwhelming because the only thing that changed my self-esteem was moving to America there was nothing in in Ghana or anywhere in Africa like maybe maybe a little bit in India but even so like I just honestly didn't really care about what people said about me there but like in Ghana especially like my life as like a child there was so like it was just so beautiful like all I did was I played in like my big house like my dad built me a tree house I was always outside like I was always riding a bike I was always just like I don't know just like making like digging in the ground and finding clay and like making pots and like just like playing with like whatever animals we had. My parents bought me like chickens and ducks and we had a dog, a guard dog. And like looking back at it, we lived in such a dangerous area and the compounds of our house, the walls were like so tall, like so tall. And it was just to keep people out because people were getting killed and kidnapped and trafficked like all around us. And for a long time living in Ghana, I, we didn't leave, like we didn't leave the house because it just like wasn't very, it just wasn't very safe. We had like multiple security guards that would come in and out, like multiple security systems. But like my life just was me reading and having fun. I didn't think about myself at all. Like I did not look in the mirror. I did not have any sort of like preconceived notion about myself. And in, in those countries, there are like very big Indian communities, like everywhere I lived in, in Africa, there was a huge Indian community of people. And it's just interesting, like the way that those people live is extremely different from the way people in India live, obviously, like they're, like, they're Indian, but they're also African. And that's how I felt for a lot of my life, like, even after moving to America, um, I didn't live in India for like, most of my childhood, like a lot of my childhood was was in Africa. So my identity with just like my ethnicity, being brown, being like, just, I guess, like, my nationality being Indian is like, very, it's just confusing a lot of the times. Because it's like, what what do you what do I believe in? Like, what, who am I? Absolutely. I feel like that's such an existential question when you've seen so many pockets of society. Um, And it's, it's also interesting, because Africa is Unfortunately, like I've had this conversation with a couple of people, particularly with the Blendian Project um, founder um, and Jonah, and also a friend of mine who talked about being both black and Indian and her experience. Mm-hmm. And we typically, unfortunately, in our community, don't gravitate towards the African community because of that colorism and internalization of caste. And um, and so I think 
that piece of like being able to meet Indians who've experienced Africa as well. It's like almost to me, like no duh, right? Like I feel like there's so much in common with African cultures like my girlfriend and I, who's Nigerian, I'm like, are we like from the same parents? <laughs> like there are so yeah. many similarities with our parents' cultures. Um, but then also, you know, like we avoid it. Um, so it seems like a missed opportunity because it seems like such a kindred community of people who look like us might have similar cultures to us in the family unit, community unit. But we've avoided that because of these societal ceilings. No, completely. Like, I obviously feel the same way. I have some bias because obviously I, I grew up there, but the similarities are just like uncanny sometimes. Like I have a friend currently who she actually like moved to San Diego for school, but we kind of like grew up together for a little bit in Malawi. We went to grade school together and we reconnected after like years and years and like we immediately became friends again mm-hmm. and i was like she's zimbabwean and like i was just reminded so much of like how much that culture like really touched my life in a way that like no other culture has like not the indian culture hasn't like america definitely hasn't um but there's just something about like africa and african people and just their culture they're so so incredible on like every facet of everything I love I love Africa yeah oh my gosh yeah I can hear that passion in your voice and I I think it's so blessed to be able to spend time with communities like that especially when we share these multiple identities to get perspective on you know who we can be to and um who we have things in common with and who we get inspiration from I myself like lived in uh the Midwest uh for a couple years for grad school (laughs) and I remember like it's no not I, I mean not to knock on the Midwest like I, I thought there were such incredible people that I've become friends with and like there's so much beauty to it but just like California it also has its sides and I remember I never <laughs> felt uglier than when I lived in the Midwest um my beauty like my beauty was just not the standard of beauty there and I remember just feeling so invisible and like this is not a woe is me it it was just one of those I was like oh okay let's let the personality shine then and focus on school because um that's yeah like this isn't something that apparently I can um I guess whatever um but then I remember like I went to Atlanta right after for my first job and I felt like not beautiful again in the sense like I needed people to pay attention to me but beautiful in the sense like people looked like me people normalized me like I felt really accepted by the black community in Atlanta which is such a minority majority uh city and so totally I owe Atlanta so much for kind of healing me because that's where I also realized how much the black community and the South Asian community can be um kindred spirits and allies and brothers and sisters honestly in what we're dealing with in society totally I agree a hundred percent honestly I've had the sim- like a very similar experience like moving to America um honestly I don't really feel like super accepted still as like a person living here by any sort of community just because of like my career as well I find it like my trust issues are are is something that I'm working on mm-hmm. um but definitely I've had like that same experience like moving from the midwest to like Southern California has been like very eye opening and the black community has been like a huge part of me, like feeling 
a lot more comfortable in my skin, just like, especially like in high school too. Yeah, it is definitely a journey. And once you have those experiences early on, I think it's really hard to unlearn, relearn and be able to trust. I think your point about trust is so true. But I feel like I'm so grateful, too, because even though you're going through that, I admire you for being able to still buckle up and put out the content that you do. And I I know you've mentioned and even on your stories, you'll say like sometimes the response you get can be critical or hurtful. And um, but you're still staying true to yourself. So I'd love to actually switch to understand that better of like your content and like your you know story of what you're telling on Instagram, like. It has a clear point of view, which I think is awesome. I think that's why I, f- I follow yours, because you have a clear opinion on like what your story is. So like, how has this been for you? Like, how has it been received? Um, how do you keep on going? And yeah, like, tell me more about like how that journey is day to day. It especially like over the past year, it's been like, like probably like the hardest thing that I've ever done in my life. Like even like genuinely this morning, like I woke up and I like, I was like, I have, I have to work today. Like I have to film a video and just like there, it's like a different type of pain as like a creative person when you're experiencing burnout and like when you're experiencing just like kind of just like working day to day on something that you thought was like your dream and it is your dream, but like learning kind of like the setbacks and the challenges for me has been like a very like, it's been like more of a driving force than anything. Like, I just like want to get better and I want to understand like how I can like fit myself more in like this community of like people online. Cause like ultimately my goal is I want to be bigger than I am now. Like I, I know as a creator, like every milestone you kind of become desensitized to. Like I remember hitting 10K and thinking I was the shit, like thinking that like, this is like, this is the rest of my life. And like, I mean, I was like, I guess like it it is the rest of my life, but like even like hitting a hundred K and like realizing that like, I have so much more that I have to do to like reach the ultimate goal that I have a hundred thousand people is a lot of people, but like, it's not like two, 200,000, it's not 300,000. And like, it's just growing is like such a big part of like my day to day, just thought process and like figuring out how to do that. And it's hard, like before, like growing on Instagram was really, really hard because of just the algorithm. Excuse me. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure everyone knows. And now, yeah, like drastically. And like over the past year, I've, I was signed to one of like the bigger um, influencer agencies in LA, which was a huge surprise to me. Cause honestly, like at that point I was so surprised that like anyone else like thought my content was good, which is probably mm-hmm. not the best thought. Um, but I was so surprised to get that opportunity, but now like I work with Instagram directly and I'm still struggling. And so kind of just like dealing with like the disappointments of just like, is it my content? Is it me? Like, do I have to do something better? Like, do I need to like put in more work? And I'm also a full-time student as well. So kind of just like balancing everything, like as well as my mental health, which is like my biggest problem. It's all just like a big challenge when it comes to being a creator for me personally. 
I don't know if if I answered the question. Absolutely. No, you did. And I think that's so interesting because this work is really taxing. And I think people sometimes assume, and I, I don't personally buy into this at all, but this assumption of like influencers get have it easy, right? Like you post something and like maybe it's different from the nine to five kind of jobs. And I actually have a right. lot of respect for the co- the content is real. Like I think content, whether you work for a newspaper, a magazine um, and a company like content is content. It's very difficult to come up with good material that people find interesting, want to interact with. And it's even more like exposing when you're an influencer because you can't hide behind a brand. Like I can write things and hide behind my company name. Um, Often I don't even have to put my name to it. I write things for the leaders like I'm in communication. So I write things for leaders and their voice and, you know, what they need to reiterate. But when you're a content Mm -hmm. creator for Instagram, I think like or, you know, at the platforms we have, it's your name. Um, your creativity, your ideas, and then you are your own marketer, um, creator, editor, PR person, and then psychologist, because then people have a response to it too, right? So I have a lot of respect for it. And congratulations (laughs) on the agency sign. That's so huge. Thank you. Thank you. I honestly, (laughs) my like method of like being a creator at this point, which is like, (laughs) I was talking to my friend Milan about this actually. Um, and it's like funny. I think we both have like very similar approaches to things, which is cool. But like a lot of the times when I, I have like really big breaks like this, like I don't even allow myself to like be happy about it because it's just like things can get taken away so quickly. And like, you just have to really focus on like the next move. And that's like the biggest part about being an influencer. I feel like a lot of the times like people will stop to celebrate too much and they lose their footing and kind of just like fall back into like being like, Oh, but I, but I'm signed. Why am I not? Well, why is my content tanking? It's because you're relying too much on like these achievements. Yeah. And like mentally, like it's honestly a mental game. The whole thing is, and I'm very grateful that I, got started at a young age even before I was in high school even when I was in middle school I was editing little YouTube videos and posting them so I've always been kind of like into this like sphere of the world so it feels very natural for me to do this like as a profession now but it's a lot like it's a lot more than what people obviously know and the people who are close to me like the very few people who I've kept in my life like from the beginning of my career to like now all have like very, very different views on what an influencer is than like the general public. And it's gotten to the point where it's like, if people think my job is easy, I just like, what am I going to say? Like, I can't, I can't show you the amount of tears I have like shed over like a simple, like TikTok video. Like you're going to think that's insane, but it's like when that's like what pays your rent for the next month, like it's, it's like it's real like it's very real it's a different kind of art and I know people might not believe that um or maybe we're not there yet but whatever it is I personally think it is art that you're creating it is I tried to do a fucking TikTok and it was like so difficult I definitely need like a Gen (laughs) Z coach to like handhold me um oh my gosh I'm right here (laughs) I I can help you you um But I think like I'll be it's your token Gen Z friend. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> but it's also uh, on the other end, for example, 
I see sometimes like as someone in corporate, like I sometimes meet people in the creative space who sort of judge me for being like in a predictable field. Like it must be so boring or like, you know, noticing sometimes the feedback can be like sort of like, how can we convince you to like join the other side? Like, and oh my um, goodness, you know, it's also right. Like, so I think like everyone all like there does why I bring that up is not again to be like, it's just so hard to be in corporate because it's fine. Like, and I, I know too, I'm envious, like creative work sounds at least uh, maybe more stimulating in a different way, but corporate can also be. So anyway, people should right. do what they want to do. And I think people can be more helpful by supporting each other and elevating each other because you need every type of person. And I really admire you for being able to manage your mental health in, again, something that is so personally exposing and vulnerable um out there and especially the piece about the numbers like I think that's something that um a lot of us toggle with like even if it's just a picture of our like soup that we're having for dinner like oh this only got 10 likes like what does that mean about me you know and um if you're actually doing this as your profession like your piece about rent like that's huge so like you have Mm -hmm. today like uh, I think I checked this morning like 112,000 followers um, I love mm-hmm. that you were worried about it because I'm like, I have 500 followers on Down to Brown. So like, <laughs> I'm starting humble, but I love you, community. Um, but you have 112,000 followers. So how did you not get like stuck into this game of like tracking the numbers and constantly checking and like that? I can't imagine how much stress that creates. I think like I can't speak for all influencers on this because I think I've realized that this is a personal thing for me and it's something that kind of does worry me a lot when it comes to like making actually other friends who are influencers because people will not only like keep track of their numbers but they will keep track of everyone in their community's numbers there are people especially in the brown community who like are like oh my god did you see she lost this amount of followers in like a week and i've gained this amount like oh my gosh look my my post today has this amount of likes and this is like like I promise you like a majority of like the brown influencer community is like this like even excluding just like ethnicity like this is what people are like in this community and for me like even growing up like I've never really taken anything too seriously to like a fault and it's like kind of like a little worrying to me sometimes I've definitely been the kind of person to like completely slack on like schoolwork and then like my last week of the semester, I just like do everything. And somehow I get away with it. I have really good luck. And so like, that's just kind of my like attitude on life. Like I, I've never been like super, super like concerned about the numbers. If something is like, if I'm getting like a thousand likes, obviously like that's something I'm going to be like, okay, like what, what went wrong here? But I, at this point, especially during quarantine, like I am not worried about the numbers as long as I'm getting like good engagement and people enjoy my content and as long as I'm still getting jobs and I'm still getting paid that is what I'm focusing on because it there's no point like there's just no point in like looking into like oh like I have 500 followers I'm 500 followers away from whatever k and it's like I used to be that person like for a while in the beginning it was super fun but I mean, at this point, it's just like, why even worry? It's not real. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I think you also touched on that concept of like, what can you control? And I, especially during the pandemic and everything it did to our brains, like 
really important um, lesson I think that we all sort of absorbed is like, I can't control so many X, Y, and Z things. So like, what can I do? Mm -hmm. And like put like good intent out there and then hopefully that good will come back to me, Um, which I really appreciate about your attitude around this. But, you know, you did talk about like that content and the engagement and like, I'd love to understand like how much, especially because you're seeing this through the lens of both like the broader influencer community, but also the South Asian influencer community. What are some Mm -hmm. of the most, you know, positive, encouraging, uplifting responses that you've received? What are some of the most discouraging and uh, perhaps like strange responses that you've received? Um, you mean just like comments and like DMs and things yeah, like that? to your content. Mm-hmm. I think like I'm always very disappointed. Just like mostly just like disappointed when I do get hate comments from people who are like Indian or brown. Because it just like, to me, it just shows how like how how much we have to do for our community to get to the point where they can see something that I've posted that I think is amazing and that a lot of people think are amazing, but they just like are not able to see the beauty in it. Like people calling me like a clown for wearing too much makeup or like people who kind of like, especially people who think that like, (laughs) this is like a really like a really big thing that bothers me. And I've talked about it like a good amount of times actually on my Instagram. And it's like people who tell me that I'm wearing the wrong foundation shade I like sometimes like I feel so mean because I don't want to be that person but sometimes I'm just like how do you know like how would you know like I've done makeup for so many years of my life like I think I've gotten to the point where like I definitely have my face down when it comes to shades when it comes to contouring all of that stuff like this is things that I've not worked on for like a week it's not something I just put on for like a job that I'm doing like I literally have been practicing this and putting on my makeup like hundreds of times a year like not for fun just like for my job and like having to explain to people that like brown people are not all the same color of brown like we have like hyperpigmentation and my face might be a different color from my body and like my arm might be a different color from my leg and like kind of having to like explain that to like like light-skinned brown people or white people or just people who don't have any like an understanding of makeup in general like that has always been a very discouraging thing for me because like comments from people are like you're ugly it's like obviously I'm not like that's just a projection and like those comments don't phase me ever anymore because it's just false but like comments like that where I know it's like kind of grounded in just like people just like ignorance it's like frustrating for me I can definitely imagine that and agree um what are some of the most surprising experiences you've had so one of like the biggest like the most bizarre thing that has ever happened to me is actually something that like I made a whole video about on my Instagram and like a lot of people know about this like actually I think a few people might have even like found me and like followed me through this experience which is very interesting but um I went on an influencer trip like not very long ago maybe like two years ago now um I was only kind of comfortable talking about it a year later it took me honestly a year to kind of process everything that happened to me on that trip um 
it's not a comment obviously but it's like it definitely has something to do with just like being an influencer in general um I think like a lot of the times like I I feel like I get a lot of racist comments from white people just because like that's just kind of like (laughs) the way the world is right now I think but like I've never like as an adult person after like moving to California, like this was the first time I ever kind of like experienced it to this level before, Um, like within my own kind of just like creator community. I went on this trip um, with this girl who I thought I was kind of friends with. She was like one of those people who was like, she was a model, she was a creator and we knew each other and had hung out in LA before together. And she seemed pretty nice. Like she was like, but now looking back at it, it's like those influencers who kind of appear to be like overly nice or like the people that you really need to stay away from um, because it's definitely a front to something. But I was kind of basically brought on this influencer trip as like the token brown person. I was like the only person of color there um, other than um, this Asian woman. I think um, I don't, I don't particularly remember where she's from. I think she might be Korean, um, but I'm not entirely sure. But I was the only deeply melanated person there. And it became very clear to me that I was only asked to go on this trip because they needed, they needed me just there. I was not like a valued person. My opinions were not really taken into consideration. They didn't really care about what I was doing. And I was like, there were a lot of Instagram stories where they would like pan to the entire group. There were only like five of us and they would stop right before me. And it it was crazy. And it got to the point where like, it became so noticeable. The girl's boyfriend was the photographer for our trip. We were sponsored by a brand, which was actually his, like, I think his aunt's brand or something. And he was taking photos of like, all of all of the white women like was so excited to like do these creative like really beautiful shoots with them but for me I had to beg him to take photos of me even like the sponsor content that we had to post to like pay for the trip I had to ask him several times to shoot me he was so unenthusiastic to shoot me I like the photos turned out terribly I have maybe one photo from that trip that I was able to salvage and it's because the other Asian woman that was on the trip she kind of like saw me break down basically after I had a con- like a, a confrontation with this girl that invited me to go. I told her about her boyfriend and I was like, hey, like he's not taking photos of me. Like this is really weird. I don't know what to do. And then she said, oh, I'm sorry. Like he just isn't used to taking um, photos of people who are like you are like your type of person. She said something like that. And it was definitely, like, a racially charged comment. And I, like, I didn't, I honestly didn't know what to do at that point. I just kind of, like, went up to my room and I cried for a while. But they've made a lot of excuses about it. At the end of the trip, there, I was the only person who had to actually, like, take a five-hour detour to a completely, like, different state. Everyone else arrived, like, at like I don't know like five o'clock I arrived at like 11 30 at LAX and had to drive two hours back to San Diego so there was no consideration for my comfort um 
And like, there have been like little instances, like in- instances like this in the past, like just when I go on jobs or going to events, um, being an Indian influencer is definitely also just like different from being like a black influencer where people like understand what it's like to like be around black people. But like people don't know a lot about like dark skinned Indian people. And like, there's definitely like a difference in that sort of like thing too which is also very interesting um but yeah like I don't know I've (laughs) been treated really weirdly by like a lot of people just because I'm Indian even though it's like not really like the center of my personality but yeah that's like one of the most bizarre things that's ever happened to me (laughs) yeah and I'm so sorry like I feel so much for you because you know going on a trip like that you think it's an exciting opportunity like it's supposed to be such a positive um experience and step in your resume if you will but I feel like that ended up being such a you had to protect yourself so much in that experience and so I'm just truly sorry you had to experience that and what you mentioned, you know, I even wrote down, didn't know what to do. Like when someone, when that photographer's uh, girlfriend made that comment, because I think often we imagine like when something like that happens to us, if we experience, we're at the other end of a type of racist behavior or microaggression, Mm -hmm. we think like, oh, this is what we could say. And like, you know, maybe later we'll replay like how we could have done it better. But like, (laughs) damn, in that situation, like it is not easy to speak up. That's why it would drive me crazy too. even like in the, um, you know, last summer when a lot of corporations were doing diversity and inclusion conversations after George mm-hmm. Floyd's murder and the, you know, uproar behind it. But, you know, they're like, oh, you could talk to the person and tell them, you know, if they make a, a comment that offends you, like, go talk to them about it. Or, And I'm like, you know, it's not always easy to do that either, because sometimes you're just so taken aback or you're processing. It's, you know, to also make it your job to have to then be the like educator communicate eloquently in a way that doesn't you know again like hurt their fragility like it's a lot so I don't know I more often than not hear about and even personally like sometimes feel like gosh like I just didn't even know what to do because I just couldn't believe like oh is is that what's going on right we never want to believe that and like the worst part about all of it is that like after that conversation happened and after like I went and I cried like I was put in a situation where like I had to explain to these two white people that they were being racist and like the amount of gaslighting that happened in that conversation was insane. Like I genuinely wish I could have recorded that conversation because like I, it was just bizarre. Like this white man justifying how he only shoots white skinny women like his girlfriend trying to kind of like cover him in that regard. And when I finally did post my video talking about my experience, I obviously didn't mention their names because at this point, like it's not worth it to me to like cause them any pain. Like a lot of people after I, like after they found out who it was just from context clues, like a lot of people who know them reached out to me personally and told me that they had similar experiences with them, which was honestly just a little bit more comforting than I thought it would be just knowing that I wasn't crazy because they were trying to make me feel like I was crazy but even after I posted it they reached out to me and continued to gaslight me and like continued to make me try and think that it was a misunderstanding and I was just very clear that's all you can do like you all you can be like is just say like hey like I know the intentions that you've had 
like, I'm sorry that at this point, like, it's not like something that you're willing to accept. But I also, I'm not an idiot. I was also present in the situation. And this is how it made me feel. And this is how it makes you look. And that's all I have to say about it. And that's honestly the template that I follow for any sort of like, harassment are just like problems I have when it comes to those things I just kind of try and shut it down as quickly and as directly as I can definitely I especially can imagine that you have to use this template and follow that format um as you post like I've noticed like you've posted photos where you're in more revealing clothing or you know just different edgier kind of you know outfits that maybe deviate from the kind of South Asian influencer vibe that I usually see, but doesn't mean that is the only one out there. Um, do you find a lot of, you know, do you get a hard time for also posting such photos of, cause I feel like, you know, personally, I'm a huge fan. Cause like, and I, I hope this like doesn't sound creepy, but I'm like, when I saw you, like <laughs> you posted something like a gym outfit or like a bathing suit, but I was like, wow, like she is so proudly wearing that. She looks like me from a skin color perspective. I probably could look like that, too, if I owned it, you know, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, I just feel really shy and I like hide under the sun because like the brainwashing, blah, blah, blah. So um, but I imagine people have a response because everyone's always like, you should be doing this. You should not be posting this. Yes. Um, That's been like one of my my really big challenges when I think it actually it's a big challenge for people who follow me. Like for me personally, I feel like I have kind of like illustrated the journey that I've had with my body, like very, very like frankly and bluntly on my Instagram for years now. I've been like very open Uh, when I was in high school, even before I was in high school, I had an eating disorder and it's still something that like I literally deal with to this day. Like it's a daily thing for me. I'm like a little over a year clean now, but still, you know, like I I have my days obviously, but that's something that I've always been very transparent about. And a a big reason why I do post revealing photos like that or photos that are like more just like, like me in tight clothing is because I know there's a lot of people who follow me who are also in recovery or who have been like struggling with eating disorders. And it's just, I want people to understand that like you can be going through something, but you can still be confident in your body. And that's the only way you're going to eventually get to that point where you're going to want to look like that. Like seeing another person who has like a similar story to you, it's just like, it's important. And I, I, whenever I get comments that are like derogatory towards that, I'm just like, you don't understand. Like you literally don't understand why I'm doing this. And like it, I don't know, like the body positivity movement is a very confusing place for me personally as someone who just like, I don't understand a lot of like what goes into it because I'm not, I've never been overweight. So I never want to speak over anyone who like goes through that sort of journey. But I just know how I feel. And I know how my community feels about like eating disorders. People don't like to talk about it. And I know that like wearing revealing clothing is just like so taboo, but it's not that serious. Like it, it doesn't have to be that serious is my take on it, honestly. I really appreciate that you also have that self-awareness of like, if I haven't experienced it, then, you know, I can't speak to it, but I do want to, at least for what I can speak to do that. Um, because I actually, that was my takeaway from your work. So 
I, I have polycystic ovarian syndrome, which I've talked about, which makes it really difficult for me to lose weight. I eat, gain weight really easily. Um, and it's a basically hormonal thing. So I re- bring this mm-hmm. up because, um, it's not a sad saga. It's definitely like just something I have to like an extra hurdle that I have to work on. Um, like anyone else who has it. Um, but when I get through those periods of like right now, like my weight gain journey has been like just more challenging than it normally is. And coupled mm-hmm. with the pandemic, But I started to notice this really negative um, self-talk that I was doing that it was like, I will love you once you go back to this piece, like, and who knows if I'll ever go back, right? But if I go back to that weight, if I look like this, then I'm worthy of my love, then I'll look like myself. And so I actually appreciated that you post things like that and other influencers who do stuff like that, because I get to remember like, oh, I like it's it's more about my how I embrace myself. It's not so much that I have to look like someone or some ideal in order to then love myself. Um, even if I did look like that, I probably still would give myself excuses, right? Which I've done my best to. So it's not about what you look like. It's more how you feel about yourself. Totally. And like, I think like a lot of influencers struggle with like portraying themselves like in a way online that they don't even see themselves. Like, I don't want anyone to ever think that like I like have it all put together and like my self-esteem is through the roof. Like it definitely is from time to time. Like I'm a very confident person, but I also know that like I have a lot to work on and there are days that I don't feel good about myself. And I think like there's a difference between like being like, oh, woe is me on your, your platform and having people be sorry for you or like also projecting a very like, unrealistic standard onto people or onto yourself and other people just won't be able to relate to that. Um, I think like being in the middle is just kind of like the best thing that you can do. And that's always where I try to like lay my content. I don't want it to be like too edited or just too sloppy. It's, I don't know, people deserve to see like the reality of like who you are as a person. Yes, absolutely. And I even appreciate that piece of like that movement happening. You know, Jamila Jalil is incredible for this space in body positivity and embracing oneself. And, um, you know, her fil- no filter semi movement. I don't know, <laughs> but she started to push for, you know, taking away filters. And I have no mm-hmm. problem. Like, and, and this anyway, the world doesn't depend on my opinion. But like, basically, I think filters, if you want to use them, great. But sometimes I found myself abusing filters because it was a way to pretend I looked a certain way or look fairer, right? Like I, I didn't realize right. how much filters can also reiterate some of the things that we've internalized. So that's where I found like, yeah, that's a really good point about filters. Granted, if it makes you happy and you just like having like cat ears around you, like God bless. But <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? Like it's like these things like we use to brainwash and like we don't really think about like why we use them and in the Mm -hmm. end of the day I think it is so important to show our authentic selves especially as we realize like what social media can do to people and we're learning 100% I'm totally there with you I am guilty of using filters but I have a system my system is that if I use a filter on my story it is always followed by a video of me talking or a photo of me with no filter on like with the same like makeup or the same outfit because I think it's like important to show people that like you can look cute, like you can like use your like Disney princess filter, but like I also just like to give like a realistic view of what I look like. And yeah. 
Yeah. And I really appreciate um, that again because again with a platform like that, people do then get the like full picture. Um, and but I also like you know want to correct like I am not knocking on filters if people want to use them it makes you happy and I feel like sometimes yeah like the photo just looks damn better I use them too but um, <laughs> you know when it starts to distort reality you know it's more about like your relationship with yourself right that you want to totally. kind of look at no, but totally. and you know also like in the vein of body positivity we're you know we're covering a lot so body positivity the influencer life and just managing all of that even just in your mind of being able to sift through that like how do you have time for relationships like do you date like do you have a how are you able to manage all these social the social elements of life outside of the social media well I I feel like I live a pretty normal life I think like I think a lot of people like to bring their profession into like dating or into friendships in general but like I am not really that type of person I generally like to keep my my job a secret for as long as I can when it comes to just like people that I meet in person for like a good long time um it has affected like a lot of just the ways that I've gone about like making relationships and honestly like the more I grow like the more I'm realizing that I'm being put in like this kind of unique situation where like I don't I've lost a lot of my old friends and old relationships because of being an influencer, but like, I'm not gaining any like actual friends, like other influencers are because I'm not the type of person to like use it as a flex to become friends with people. So I'm kind of in this situation where like, I have like a few very close friends who like see me for like way more than like who I am online. And that's kind of how, like, I approach my relationships with people is I try to kind of, like, more so just kind of, like, see if someone, like, cares about me as a person rather than what they can gain from me. And, like, honestly, like, that's just, like, kind of one of the tragedies of my life is that I don't have a lot of people in my life like that at all. I have maybe, like, three people like that that I've met. But it's been a very like recent learning learning experience for me kind of just like learning to stop blaming myself for what other people have done to me just kind of like I'm phasing out the people that I used to be friends with in high school who kind of like more so just like used me for clout and like wanted the free stuff and like wanted the restaurant experience for free in San Diego or like going to parties or like being able to say that they know somebody that knows somebody all of those things kind of just like learning to kind of like separate that from like forming relationships. So I'm still not an expert, (laughs) honestly, like I'm not very good at balancing it yet, but hopefully (laughs) in the future. Absolutely. I think it's also relatable. Um, Of course, no situation is the same, but I think people can relate to, especially at our, the older we get, like sifting through the friends that are giving us a good energy and you leave feeling healthier, happier, um, safe, secure versus folks that you realize like, oh, they give me more anxiety. I don't feel like they see me, et cetera. Right. So I think that's something that we can all connect with, um, whether or not, you know, there's a platform involved or influencer piece, et cetera. Um, so I feel like that's a very human experience that you detailed. Um, 
And so I appreciate you sharing that. How about love? Well, thankfully, um, <laughs> thankfully, I am I am in a relationship. But the person that I'm dating is someone who I've been best friends with for like like eight years now. So he's like one of the only people in my life that I think kind of like gets who I am like as a person. Um, I've only had two relationships in my life like ever. So I like. I'm very love oriented. Like I, when I was a kid, like the only thing I ever wanted was to like fall in love with someone. But like, as the years kind of go on, like I'm kind of just like finding that like love is amazing, but just kind of like learning how to love myself has been kind of just what's been on the front burner um, of my life. But I'm glad that like recently things have kind of fallen into place with, with this person so I'm kind of just taking it slow, um, figuring out life as it goes, you know how it is. This is going to sound very cliche, but I think that is so true what you mentioned about loving yourself before anything else, because I think that's when you also realize you can even be a good partner um, or mother or whatever that identity is where you have to be there for someone else in such a committed capacity. My favorite thing is um, one of my favorite quotes is Meg Jay um, in her book, Defining Decade. She writes about how the best time to become a parent or the best time to work on your marriage is before you get married or before you become a parent. Um, and I think that piece of like your the love you have for yourself is so important in focusing on before you can love someone else with that person you are. Um, Absolutely. So I wish you and your boo the best. Sounds great as a partner. Um, and I know like some of the things too, like I, I bring up family and stuff because it's also easy for, you know, some of the comments you mentioned too, like of feedback you can get from like when we're talking about the South Asian, you should be like, and mm -hmm. if you maybe embrace Disney and goth like style or, um, other kind of non-mainstream looks, um, that maybe you are not as in touch quote, quote, with your Indian side. But I know when I talked to you, that was hardly like the future you have in mind for yourself. So how what is one of the most like misunderstandings that people have about the type of family you're trying to build for yourself and that you can basically coexist with? I can be all these things that I am on my platform and also want this part of myself to be, you know, South Asian in my future. Right. I my parents have always like raised me with the values that they were raised with so I think like a lot of people think that I don't know a lot about like my heritage just because I like certain things or I dress a certain way or like I take a photo in a sari and post it like once every three months like I think people think that I am more American or maybe I'm whitewashed I think I, that's a comment that I get a lot and it's just really funny to me because, <laughs> I don't know, it's just funny because I feel like a lot of these people are, like, Americans, mm -hmm. um, like, like, basically people who are American, and it's like, have you ever lived in India? Like, I've lived in India, and I've also lived in, like, several other different places, like, being whitewashed and, like, uncultured is, like, kind of the last thing, last worry that I have about myself, so it's, like, always a very interesting comment to get because I just 
sometimes I wonder like maybe I'm not like portraying myself accurately online but it's also just like it's what I'm like as a person like if you got to know me you would know that I'm not like a super just like whitewashed individual I talk a lot about different issues and like my experiences in other countries like pretty frequently yeah even Um, talking to you I felt like wow she I could connect so much about the Desi experience with you thank you I like my parents speak Tamil at home I grew up like learning Tamil like we eat only Indian food to the point where now I'm just like high key sick of it um I think that's like that's a true telling sign that someone grows up in a very Indian household um but like all of like the festivals all of that like I've always kind of been involved in stuff like that growing up um and I want my kids to have that same sort of upbringing like I want them to understand the rich culture that they come from it's like a very unique culture and I just think that like it's ridiculous to think that I don't appreciate that because at the end of the day, like when I walk around the world, no one's looking at me and they're thinking I'm a white person. Everyone is looking at me and they're like, what ethnicity is she? Or okay. She's Indian. (laughs) Like that's just, that's the way the world has treated me. And that's the way that like I look at myself and that's just the truth. And that's definitely something that I would love to pass on to my children um but yeah it's always been a priority to me like I would love them to speak Tamil um I've been actually like asking my mom to find me a Tamil teacher so I can like brush up on my Tamil so I'm like proficient enough to like speak it also like I just want to be able to like take them back to India the same way that my parents have taken me to India like after they're gone like I don't want to like lose that connection going back home and like exploring different parts of it or just like taking them back to like where I was born and the little like shops that I used to go to and I don't want to lose that like ever absolutely and I I so like admire what you shared because I think it's also important going back to the sort of like thesis if you will of this episode is you know the Indian or South Asian you should be it's so not someone's place to just look at someone's profile and again social media is a snapshot of someone's life and misconstrue like what that person might represent um Mm -hmm. I myself connected with you a lot too because I feel like growing up I am so Indian in many ways like and so Telugu in so many ways because my parents Mm -hmm. are Telugu and like literally I get I used to go every year before COVID um and spend like at least months a month um with my parents there so Mm -hmm. but I don't tend to like live an obviously Indian life like nowadays more I think it's like coming out for me but like that was just my relationship with it where it's like do I have to be wearing you know posting pictures in a sari or making Indian food every day or you know being a certain way in order to be seen as Indian Um, and I think that's what I really appreciate about you is that you have demonstrated that type of lifestyle that a lot of us live where it doesn't have to be so obvious you don't have to be that like I go to Garba every year like you know I did Bollywood (laughs) dance competitions in like college um, where you could be that and still so proud and immersed and like wanting that future for yourself 
Um, or even like the partner you choose, right? Like sometimes I right. get like some crap about like, why do you not hate, do you not want to date your own people? Um, and I was like, that's kind of strange because by dating my partner now, I actually have never been more in love with my culture than, you know, when you have to share it with someone else. Cass, I have to ask, we've covered so much today and it's such a wealth of information and I feel like insight and perspective that I gained and hopefully others. But last but not least, I wanted to tie it together because if we had to look at like the ultimate takeaway from this conversation we had about the type of South Asian you quote should be, how would you answer that question of like what we answer at Down to Brown of like, what would life look like if we freed ourselves from that pressure and stigma of the South Asian we should be? Every single day is me stepping one step towards living this sort of life. Like I think the first step is kind of just like learning to truly not care anymore. Like I think people need to learn how to cultivate more interest and be more open to things changing. And I think like the biggest thing that we have to kind of like learn as a community is to kind of listen more to just kind of like ourselves and what's going on. I think we need to kind of learn to just be more, honestly, to be more open. That's my, that's my one big point. I think being open and being freed from just like feeling judged. I think people are going to like open up so much more and like actually learn to have like a different personality other than being afraid. Yes. Oh, that's so powerful. And I agree because the judgment's going to keep coming. But if you can focus on yourself and being like, I'm not going to care about that. Um, I love that advice. So thank you. Yeah, um, thank you so much for having me. Uh, last, I'm not letting you go just yet because okay. we have a fun round um, that I wanted to do. I call it the chip chip round, but it used to be rapid fire. I just find it too exciting to like not dive in further. <laughs> so if you want to give some longer answers, feel free. Uh, but are you ready for it? I'm ready. So, number one, what song can you blast out loud that instantly makes you feel sexy? Oh, oh my gosh. Okay, I have to think about this one. Um, okay, this one is really, really... Uh, it's honestly any Avril Lavigne song. Any, like, wow. older Avril Lavigne song. She was my first, like, my first everything. Like, I wanted to be her so much. Um, I think probably girlfriend is like the biggest, the biggest one for me. Gosh, this is such a fun answer. <laughs> what is it the million food that you could eat for the rest of your life? Every meal. Oh, um, hmm. I think like recently I've been really craving just like Italy and like coconut chutney. Yes. Totally love that. A book that changed your life. Oh my gosh. Um, who a book that changed my life. I hate to I hate to be this person, but I'm gonna have to say Harry Potter, even though we hate JK Rowling. No. But <laughs> I think like <laughs> those books definitely changed my life. I think like let me see. Let me let me give you a <laughs> Let me give you a better answer. <laughs> it's actually a great answer because I think so many of us, like I myself can agree, but yeah, JK Rowling had to fuck that shit up. So yeah. now here we are feeling conflicted. 
it's just funny. I've read so many books and like people ask me this question. And I'm like, Harry Potter. <laughs> like, what ridiculous. house would you think you belong to? I have taken this, this goddamn test so many times. And every time I'm always placed into Slytherin. I thought you were going to um, say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I definitely like wanted to always be in Gryffindor, but I knew that I, I have a little bit of like a dark streak. So I was like, all right. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. I mean, like, the whole, um, like, Voldemort, Draco ruin it for us. But, I mean, Slytherin's supposed yeah. to be, like, ambitious and, like, smart, too. So, um, you know, I'll take that. it. Yeah, exactly. I'll take it. <laughs> What's one thing happening in the world right now that you hope will be fixed or better by the time your kids grow up? Just, like, police brutality mm-hmm. as a whole. I, like... I spend so much of my day thinking about it, honestly, that, like, I need something to happen for this to, like, stop. Yes. But I don't want to live in a world where my children have to worry about that ever. Absolutely. I think my name is Agree.